Good evening. Let's get into this. This is episode two of the alternative music history of the, what, late 80s, early 90s. Let's get into this. I want to start start that off with a little bit of meditation, right? Let's get centered. Let's get centered before we get into this. Before we get into the next part of What Does It All Mean podcast. Yeah, Alma Day 21, what's going on? Happy, happy Thursday. One of the last, uh, last days of the year. I've seen Iggy, I've seen Iggy like three times, I think. Because I've seen a lot of festivals and he shows up. The last time I saw him was like a Yoko Ono concert. It was amazing. Mr. Magoo just walked in the room. Let me see if we can get him a goo. Yep. We got Iggy Pop. We got the cat. We got Liz. What the fuck is going on? We got Julia. What's going on? Everybody, happy, happy Thursday. Second to the last day of the year, 2021. What is this shit? What's been going on? Now Brian's here, what the fuck is going on? Three days of this podcast. Ironically, I didn't know this, I didn't plan this out, but the the three days of this show is going to end on the new year, and I will be doing this tomorrow at, I'll start at 11.05 tomorrow, so we can go to 12.05, and I can bring in the new year with anybody that's staying at home because they're afraid to deal with Omicron and the rest of the world because I definitely am staying the fuck in for probably seven more months. <laughs> I plan on going nowhere for seven more months until this beard is down to here till it hits Mike, Mike Watts' head at the top of the van right here. So what's going on, everybody? What's going on? All right. So I'm super stoked. I've been getting some feedback on, uh, you know, the first episode and people have left me messages and 
said that it takes them back to their, you know, to the 90s, the, the 80s and the 90s, and I'm totally stoked on that. If, if I can bring people back to any time period that, uh, that, I've, that I've lived through and been around, I, I, I think that, <clears throat> you know, so I was trying to find some, some history about what we're going to talk about tonight, like Porno for Pyros, uh, the end of the, the, the first podcast, I talked about Jane's addiction and how I was like 15 and 16 by the time they were ending. So at that point, Porno for Pyros at the scene, and before I get into the details, there I was searching for YouTube videos. I was searching for proof that, that something happened. And, and yes, there's Woodstock, and yes, there's like the, the MTV stuff, but there isn't any of the concerts that like I went to. There wasn't, you know, the Santa Barbara Bowl. There, there wasn't any of these shows. And what's interesting is it's like now this is just a, like a little, you know, documentation of the visuals that I saw and the things that I heard and, and the beats and, and the things that entered my soul and just the people I encountered and the, and the souls that, that touched me and how I touched them and how we're all still touching each other like Brian and, and Julia and Alma Day. You, na- you nailed it, uh Alma Day, it definitely is Coltrane. It definitely is Coltrane. And I will get into that by the end of the episode. These songs are strategically placed in this show. What do we start out with? The Stooges? Now we're going to Coltrane? Yes, strategic. I have strategy to, uh, you know, all of this. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over, this is a special, these are special, uh, episode so I'm gonna just rehash a little bit of what happened in the uh, the first episode so yes I was young I saw Jane's Addiction at Lollapalooza the last two times in Irvine Meadows Lion Country Safari and uh, by that time Jane's Addiction pretty much exploded and broke up after that so that left me like all alone. I became this little Cameron Crow groupie type uh, kid that, that just wanted to be a part of music, wanted to be part of something. I didn't care. I just wanted to bob my head. I wanted to feel the beats. I just wanted to be there in the scene. And now the scene was gone. So I didn't know what to do. So I, I started just, um, I, I think Perry Farrell came out with this thing called Teeth. And it was like an internet site. And all of a sudden I rushed to get my Sega Saturn uh, with internet browser, which is over there by all the Legos that you see. I still have it from like 25, 30 years ago. I have this this Sega Saturn with an internet browser. And and for kids that don't know, there was this point where you had to plug your, your, your internet browser into the phone and all of a sudden I would start to get a this thing called like the inner internet, the interweb. And I'd have these like, images of like everything and you could just search things and and it was brand new to me at least and uh what did i do of course i i i I basically we called it we call it google now but i googled you know jane's addiction and i googled like my favorite band and uh then i started like finding other people that had similar interests to me and uh at that point, I met some guy in Germany, and he's like, hey man, I have all these tapes from Jane's Addiction, and this is horrible, I shouldn't even talk about this, because it's, it's, this is what, uh, what somebody just sued, uh, 
fucking Eric Clapton just sued somebody for this. But these people in Germany would be like, hey, I got like 15, you know, Jane's Addiction tapes. Uh, if you have 15, send them to me and fucking, you know, there was no money involved. So it was just, we wanted to hear the different concerts, kind of like Grateful Dead. So we would do that. And, and it got so crazy for me that like, I got to the point where, look, I still have one of these tapes from 30 years ago. And this is actually called Porno for Pyro's Acoustic Urge. And it, it's just, yeah, it, it, anyways, so... As, as I'm waiting for the next adventure, the Cameron Crowe adventure, uh, then, you know, Porn of Papyrus is announced. It's probably like 92. 92. And uh, Porn of Papyrus is announced. I'm, I'm just stoked. I hear that, that, you know, there's a new project going on. And I want to get involved, and I want to—I want to hear it. I want to see the shows, but I'm still so young that I can't technically go to these shows because I'm like 16. Uh, I would get rides places, of course, but uh, I think for their first show, maybe their first couple shows, they were like either 18 or 21 or older, and I was 16, so I—I I couldn't see these shows, which is totally <clears throat> not fair. You know, like, it's like, you know, Salvador, Salvador Dali's painting somewhere and, and you don't get to see him, you know, or Banksy's doing a mural and, and like, you know, he's there, but you don't get to see. And so, uh, that kind of gave me an obsession and, uh, these concerts were so close to my house. And I remember the first one had so many just great acts that you can't even imagine and I was so pissed that I'm like, I'm never going to miss another one again. So now this is the Cameron Crowe kind of getting even more groupy. Like, seriously, this is how it happens, guys. Then I started getting more groupy. Like, and then I remember um, there was this concert called The Medicine Show. And um, Rage Against the Machine was there. Tool was there. Uh, coincidentally, I went to the same high school that the lead singer of Rage did and I, I'd seen him and met him before and, and it was trippy seeing one of the people that was in my circle up on one of these huge stages just making it and it was kind of natural to me and, and, and Rage Against the Machine was so good and, and this was an acoustic show and uh, they were fucking amazing and then like Ogre from Skinny Puppy came out and he did some acoustic shit. Um, I think that was the same shit, yeah, and then, and then Porno for Pyros came out, and everybody was just expecting this, like, Jane's Addiction, you know, reunion, and it was just not, it was something completely different, and, uh, as soon as, like, the song Sadness came on, uh, it just, it was so loud, it was so loud that I just remember, like, like, what's going on? So now I'll give you a little backstory. So in 92 in Los Angeles, we had the riots. We had the Los Angeles riots. And I, I, I think the story is uh, one of the people in the bands was looking through a magazine and, and they saw this thing called Porno for Pyros. And I think they took, took that name and they ran with it. And then uh, like a month later, then all of a sudden Los Angeles was on fire because we had the riots. I was like 30 miles away. And I remember turning on the television and just going, holy shit, that's like, what if this comes closer to me? What do we do? You know, and it was scary. And through all of this, uh, you know, 
you had you had Perry and uh, these new players, you know, which I'm now seeing on stage, like uh, uh, Martin Lenoble and Peter DeStefano and uh, and Steve Perkins from Jane's Addiction, and these 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 group of, of characters just seem like they come together at the right moment of time, at the right place, and as they're exploding, I feel so is Los Angeles, so is the city, and the vibe of that energy was just with them. And by the time I saw them at this medicine show, I'm pretty sure that was an acoustic show, because uh, I saw them a lot this time. It was just so powerful and so insane that like, it was just rad. And I could be wrong, don't get me wrong, because this is all 30 years ago. And and this is where the Cameron Crow part comes in. I, I probably, I added it up. I saw Port, uh, Porno for Pirates like 14 or 15 times during their, their, their run. And uh, that's a lot, okay? And I remember my friend Robert telling me he saw Depeche Mode like more than 100 times, and I just couldn't understand that. But you get it after a while. Like when you finally find the beat and the magic that you love, you, you want to be around it as much as possible. So, Los Angeles is blowing up. The intensity is still like crazy because, you know, when we're seeing this concert, it's not, you know, that long after that. And it just feels dangerous. And it feels like that set the tone for Porno for Pyros. Just, just this, you know, like if you look at the logo, the devilish, you know, the devil within people, the devil within, you know, who, whoever it be. So it captured, it captivated me as a 16 year old kid. Uh, I had never seen anything like it. It was like seeing Zeppelin if you were in the seventies and, and it was something totally different. And I do remember, uh, Perry had this, like, this, like, crazy ass like instrument that uh you know it was like a i forget what it's called but it looks like a, a seashell and it's got these these i think it's called like a gourd and it had these like sh these other shells around it and it just looked like they had gotten it from wherever and it was just, just fucking awesome so let me read some of these comments before um I remember making mixtapes for girls that I liked. I do too. I actually wrote a song called, uh, I try to write music and I'll get into that later, but I wrote a song called Sierra's Playlist. And Sierra was one of my best friends in the whole world. And she was a sad girl. And uh, I loved her. I had a crush on her. And she was the most beautiful girl in the fucking entire place. And... Uh, this guy, Lucas Rose, just put him on blast. I don't even give a shit. I go to her house one time, there's a party. Lucas comes out and he basically tells me to stay away from Sierra. I stand up to him and said no. Uh, I didn't stand up, I just said I'm not leaving. He punches me or something, fucks me up. I end up in the bushes and I gotta leave. Short story, long story short, uh, yeah, I didn't get to hang out with Sierra after that. But I made her this mixtape. And then she, 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 she went to Fallbrook. She moved away to Fallbrook. And when I was like that age, like when you're in high school, you can't really, you know, I was in Orange County, she was in Fallbrook. And then, then this is a true story. I never forgot about Sierra. And then when I was about 
29, maybe, 30, 30. I wandered the streets of Irvine looking for Sierra just to see where she was at, okay? And uh, my friend Sean came up to me and said, hey bro, how's it going? Uh, what are you doing here? And I, I was coincidentally playing a guitar at a coffee shop just looking for Sierra. This is where I was at in my life. Sorry to, to get side tangent. And my friend Sean looks at me and he said, you know, Sierra had passed away not much longer, like after she moved to Fallbrook and it fucked me up so much. Oh, that, yeah, mixtapes, I had to write a song about it because usually the pain that you feel, the only way that I can get away from that is by trying to write a song. And then the more I just think about it or absorb that into myself and get that pain out of me, then uh, I can deal with it and talk about it like I am right here, which is really hard to do even five years ago. So what's fucked up is, you know, like it was in high school and I can, I remember her in like the back of my mind but I couldn't tell you what she looked like, you know, to fucking save my life. Like, if you show me, show me a picture, I'd be like, that's her. But, like, if you had me draw it, I couldn't. So, yeah. We made mixtapes, and she made me a mixtape. I remember City by Journey was on there. I remember Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up was on there. I remember David Bowie, Ashes to Ashes was on there. Uh, you know... Song, some songs I didn't even like like there was a Pearl Jam song on there that I didn't even like and, and you know just because I loved her you know fucking so sorry to sidetrack but that's how it goes that's how it goes so I think I'll one day I'll work on that song again so anyways back to our topic it's interesting what mag uh, magical moments we can relive through you know music every time I hear Lights by Journey you know or Don't Give Up by Peter Gabriel I'm I can I feel Sierra's uh you know soul so I know this is about Pornhub for Pyros but like can we can we do can we do Lights let's see Lights by Journey <laughs> Right? Just just because just because uh she passed away tragically. That's all I can say. I'll DM you, Brian, because you're from Irvine. And you might have remembered her. She was like the fucking she was just blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful. She was like my neighbor in um uh, University Park area, like right across the street, Michelson and fucking Jeffrey. So, and okay, so I'll sidetrack. She had a really shitty life. It wasn't that great. Her stepdad was a fucking asshole, and uh, and her mom just fucking just didn't put the kibosh on the assholeness of the fucking dad. And so, uh, my, I had this open, open window policy when I was a kid, and it didn't matter what age you were, like, if you had a problem, you could come to my house and fucking knock on my window, and I'd let you in at any time, and Sierra knew that, so, uh, yeah, like, every time she would have a shitty time, something shitty would happen, uh, she would come to my house, she'd knock on my window, 
and then uh, there was this vacant house right across the street on Plumtree, and uh, <clears throat> she knocked my window. Uh, my mom just went to Costco, and this is when I was like young again, right around the time of all of this, by the way, probably 15, 16, and, uh, and fucking, we just had these, these, uh, Snickers bars, and we would just go into this vacant house, into their, the, the backyard, and we would just sit there, and we'd be 15 and 16, and look up at the stars, and I wouldn't ask, I would just sit there with her, and we would just eat those Snickers bars, and we'd be together, and we didn't make out, we didn't do shit, we were just together, and, you know, she was one of my best friends in the whole world, and then when she told me she was gonna move to fucking Fallbrook, I was just like, dude, you know, and Lucas Rose is still a fucking asshole, I'll never forget that, <clears throat> real talk, you know, oh, grew up in Mission Viejo, Mission Viejo, Irvine, almost very similar. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Mission Viejo right now, and it's just almost an extension. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when I, even when I lived in my in Irvine, they wanted to, my the, my stepdad wanted to move to Mission Viejo. So they're very kind of similar. So, but anyways, enough of that. I don't want to get, you know. But yeah, she was an amazing girl. Uh, she was super creative. She had this just fucking light about her that made me made me happy, and I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that I don't get to see her in this lifetime again, but we got to bring her up in this podcast, so that was unscripted, and let's get back on the topic, let's get back on the topic, if you grew up in Mission Viejo, uh, you made, uh, like such a, uh, like such a, like such a, a ripple, <laughs> I'd say it. You made such a ripple in the skateboarding world that it, it made it to Irvine, Brian. <laughs> so, cause I heard about you in Irvine. So you, you made the ripple all the way there. So I just had to do that really cheesy comparison. Okay. <clears throat> Yes, it's part of life, you know, we lose people, and we just gotta keep fucking going, and through music and art and all these things, we can remember them, and every time, you know, I get to play that song or whatever, I get to go through that, so, enough, let's get back on on track, so, so basically, I start seeing... I start getting to the point where uh, Julius is photography, definitely. I start getting to the point where, uh, you know, I start following Porno for Pyros around like I'm Cameron Crowe and Almost Famous. And I don't know if that, that, that movie was out yet, but that's really what I was doing. And um, I went to see them everywhere I possibly could everywhere. I went to New York. I went to uh, the Tibetan Freedom Concert. Uh, I went to Santa Barbara Bowl. I went everywhere in between. Um, Brian said, who knew me? 
there that you knew? Did you know some of, uh, honestly, you're just a legend, Brian. <laughs> I can't even like, right now I can't even think, but believe me, you're, you, you're, you're legendary. I'm not joking. Kind of like, kind of like Porno for Pyros. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. So, so I love Instagram because it's so interactive and I can just flow off topic really quick like that and, uh, and, and go back on. So anyways, I, I, I remember, you know, as, as I start following the band, uh, you know, in the beginning, they're just, yes, raw and rugged and they're just kind of crazy and they have this chaotic feeling about them that was different than, than Jane's and, and it was just a whole new thing. And I think at that point of time, we were in this turning point in the, in, in like the nineties, the early nineties of like getting rid of this old stale hair band music and coming into our own sound of like Generation X. And I think, like I was saying before, Nirvana really took the, the credit for that, but honestly, Perry Farrell, Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, they were the ones that were really opening the door and, and creating that sound for everybody. And uh, for people that don't know, you know, the first time you see Perry Farrell on stage, he is just this like shaman banshee wild man that could be in a course or it could be in a guru outfit with like beads all over him and you know an Indian dot in the middle of his head while you have like and this is the trippiness so when the early you know foundations of Porno for Pyros it was very um what's the word it was it was just like I said raw but as it started to develop into the second album like good good God's urge it started taking on its own own device and, and, and their sophomore album just really turned into something different and I clearly remember seeing that I remember getting up front to one of the concerts and and hearing this song Porpoise Head for the very first time and it was very zen like and I remember these bubbles actually coming up from like you know the fucking bottom of the floor and I'm like what is going on and 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 it, this this all had a, a feeling of like Jim Morrison and the Beatles and Yoko and just its own creation and you felt like you were watching a painting in motion you know I could get really um, you know generic of course I, I went and listened to all the the things I could on the internet like I said and and mostly people just say you know Jane's addiction died out porn for pyros took over and you know they faded away and and they're gone well I I don't feel that I feel that like nothing's ever gone and I think like I said there was a moment in time where this band was really needed and it started creating its own like like I said this George Harrison type just you know flow and and you started to have these followers and I will give you this perfect example I remember the Santa Barbara Bowl and 
when the Santa Barbara Bowl was there, like I think they opened up for like Dishwalla or like the Goo Goo Dolls or something really like that didn't match. So I'm from Orange County. I'm going all the way the fuck to Santa Barbara with my friend Mike. We don't even have a place to stay, but we're like, fuck it. This is California. We'll be fine. So we get out to, to I think we took the train. We took the fucking train out to Santa Barbara. We get to the Santa Barbara Bowl. Porn for Pilots comes out. Here's this guru type thing that I'm, I'm telling you about. There's, there's all these flowers just all everywhere through the stage and, and, and this just beautiful presentation that like your eyes can hardly handle. And then you have this really trippy hypnotic beats from Steve Perkins and, and, you know, you have these really crazy, you know, like cutting like a knife uh, strums of a guitar from Peter and and then you have Perry that's just painting these melodies that you know would be hypnotizing and there were moments where I would just be so captivated because I'd seen them so many times like you would think that you would you would get sick of it but you never did you never I never got sick of it and I was always amazed by the conversation that they would be having, that Steve Perkins would be having with Peter, that, that Peter would be having with with uh, Martin Lenovo or later Mike Watt. So eventually Martin Lenovo leaves the band and, and Mike Watt, he joins the band. And here's a here's a, a quick little side story. Uh, Martin Lenovo was on Instagram, still is, and uh, I forgot that I followed him and uh, somebody said something negative about his like bass playing and I was like Amal do you know who this guy is? He like he was in Thelonious Monster and he played with Porno Papyros like he's a fucking beast I, I said this right and then this person goes yeah what else is he good at and I look and it's Mark Lenoble's fucking Instagram and it's him and and <laughs> I was talking to him and I felt so embarrassed and I even told him that and sometimes you have these happy accidents you know but uh believe me I'm sure he's not leaving sleepover but the point is he left the band Mike Watt stepped in and then it just became this whole other you know creation and Mike Watt hands down best space Base, best bass player that I know living currently. He just, he is. There, to me, there is no, hence why I'm wearing the, the Mike Watt shirt, and uh, hence the reason that I started this show with John Coltrane. And I hope I'm right with the Coltrane, and if he ever sees this, he can correct me. But my point is, Santa Barbara Bowl. Everybody is there to see Porno for Pyros. It's like, it, it, it really was like they had this hippie following, okay? It was turning into this grateful, a mixture of a Grateful Dead rock alternative following all blended into one, creating its own scene. And Porno for Pyros came on, and I, I want to say they played for 30 minutes, maybe, I want to say 30 minutes, possibly 45, and everybody was there for them. And then they left, okay? And, and whoever was on after, whether that be Dishwalla or the Goo Goo Dolls, I saw a sea of people just leaving, leaving. 
and I couldn't believe that like, I felt bad for those bands that had to follow because nobody was there. Like, and I the streets just flooded and it was dangerous and awesome. And I remember that we didn't have a place to stay. And me and my friend went down on State Street and my friend Mike and we tried to fucking sleep in the, in the store windows. But then when it hit like 3 a.m. we couldn't. And we ran to a hotel. We laid down a credit card. But my point was we traveled. We started traveling to see this band. I went to New York City and to the Tibetan Freedom Concert. I'm like 19 doing this, okay? 19. And I'm like, shit, I gotta get on a flight. I gotta get to New York. I gotta see the Tibetan Freedom Concert. All these things. All these things were because of music and and concerts and just wanting to be with people that appreciated those same things, whether it be the guy from Germany that I was trading tapes with or whether it be, uh, you know, my friend that I met from this band called Buffalo Traffic from just being outside one of these concerts and being like, dude, I really fucking like these bands. You want to be my friend? And he's like, of course I want to be your friend. So my point is, music puts us together, it bonds us together, it, it makes us who we are. So Mike Watt joins the band. I'm just gone everywhere I possibly could, see them so many times, I don't know what I can do. So finally, finally, I, I, I wanna believe it's 95. It's 95, and I've told this story before, and I hate re rehashing things, but uh, it's 95. I have a date with this girl. It, it's Lollapalooza, 1995. She comes up to me, and she says, like, look, I have this record signed by Perry, uh, and I date over. I'm like, where's Perry? And at that point, she shows me the, the, the leak in the security behind Irvine Meadows. Lion, Lion Country Safari, and and I just go in there, and she's like, I don't want to go in there because I was already there, you know. And I'm like, Well, meet me back later. I go in there. All of a sudden, there's Perry, there's you know Mike Watt, there's everybody, and all these other people. It's backstage. There's Angelo Moore from Fishbone, uh, all these people. I'm just fucking. I'm Cameron Crow. I'm Cameron Crow. Here it all is. This is all happening like right now. And I'm pretty sure it was 95. It could have been 96, but I think it was 95. And I don't know what to do with myself. I, I, I'm so just like, I, I just start sitting, sitting back with my friend Mike. And Mike looks over at me and he's like, he's like, look, there's Perry. And I remember Perry was giving an interview and somebody had like something up to his, his mouth. And he just, he was like rolling his eyes. Like he didn't want to give the interview. And as he rolled his eyes, me and him made contact, but he had these black glasses on, like these thick sunglasses. And, and he kind of like, I could tell he nodded. So I nodded. And then my friend Mike was just like, you've got to go and talk to him. you got to go and talk to him. And I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to him. I'm not going to go talk to him. And then Mike's like, you got to go, you got to go. And it, I just waited for the right moment. And of course I wanted to talk to him, but I was just nervous as fuck because when you're now Cameron Crowe and you're about to walk up to Robert Plant or Jimmy Page, it's it's nerve wracking. So, and it's scary. You feel like you can faint, you know? And I, I just remember finally there was this moment where uh, like there was this kid 
like probably like a two-year-old not even like a fucking like a one-year-old kid and a mom and then Perry and just sitting on the ground and I just walked up and sat down and you know you know how humans communicate without even having to talk it was like that scene like I just sat down shut up the kid just looked over and we were all no longer you know I didn't feel like Perry was a rock star I didn't feel like I was Cameron Crowe I didn't feel like we were just in awe of this little kid that was growing up and then all of these labels and these things just go away and then you realize oh shit like this isn't real I mean of course it's real and yes but what's really real is the the tribe the community the the child growing up right before our eyes and us taking time to to experience that kid and you know all I remember I sat there with like 45 minutes and, and the one story that I remember was Perry told me that you know he was wearing this blue outfit and somebody walked up to him and and they had this leather uh this leather i want to say bracelet type thing and they just walked up to him and gave it to him and i think he gave them something as well like his rosary or something like that but uh it was it was it was cool and then you know then i remember him getting up and then him disappearing and then you know peter disappeared and then everybody disappeared and all the while I look over and my friend Mike is like, my friend Mike is like, hey, I met a new friend. And I'm like, who's this? And and he says, it's it's like Steve Perkins's, uh, Stephen Perkins' aunt. And I'm like, I don't believe it, but whatever. And so I, I'm pretty sure she was because she told us to stay. She's like, I was about to leave. And she's like, just stay. And, um we stayed and eventually porn for pirates came back like maybe like an hour or two later and then they they got on the second stage of uh the small stage of Lollapalooza and Hole was playing on the other stage and I totally wanted to see Hole but I was sure as fuck not gonna leave the spot of you know this secret place and now that we met supposedly you know the aunts of one of the members of the band I'm like not leaving so eventually Porn for Pyros takes the stage it felt like they were the goddamn Beatles like I'm not joking as soon as they were announced everybody that's watching Hole and, and everybody in all of like Southern California just came to this small stage and now uh, I've got the best spot on the stage because somehow you know my friend Mike's new friend gets us up on stage and we're sitting like probably like two feet away maybe three feet away from Stephen Perkins and, and I'm pretty positive he had this little like little hand kit it wasn't even like a it wasn't a it wasn't a real kit it was like a small kit my memories could be fade like fuzzy but I remember this and, and it seemed like it was this like acoustic thing and I remember there were moments where all, like, Peter would come over and, and Mike Watt would come over and they would all come over and, like, what I mean by Beatles is, like, I was so close that I wasn't hearing the speaker sound, I was hearing the sound of the music up on stage and coming out of, like, Perry's mouth and coming out of the guitar right there and hearing it right 
there was just it, it was mind-blowing it was like going to Disneyland on acid and and not having a bad trip at all being cool with Donald Duck but my point is this was happening and it was life-changing and I'm probably now 21 maybe I have to do the math whatever I was in, in, in 95 or 96 I want to say like 20 or 21 and I'm standing on stage with the best band in the world and they look so happy too. I remember Peter just looking super happy and he's just doing things on the guitar that are blowing my mind and and it's all right in front of me. And the Cameron Crow dream that I have is coming full circle. But in saying this, you know, I was I didn't know what to do. So I remember I remember stepping off the stage, they were done as soon as as soon as it was on, it was over, because nothing could last forever, and it's like another Rolling Stones song. It's, it's here and then it's gone, right? And then I remember I start to rush off stage, and I'm holding a wa I see a water, and I grab a water, and it happens to be, it happens to be Mike Watts' water, okay? And uh, I, he looks at me too, like, this is my water, and then I give him his water, and I'm super embarrassed. So then I run over and I see Peter, you know, the, the, the real guitar hero. And, you know, a lot of celebrities can be assholes and a lot of, like, musicians can be pricks. Uh, I looked right at him when he came off and I'm like, bro, that was fucking amazing. And this, this guy, he just has this big, just beautiful smile. He comes up and he hugs me. And I couldn't believe it, you know, because when you're young... You know, those awkward stages, those 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 stage, like when you're that age, you don't get a lot of touch. You know, touch is, is you know, it's not natural because you're still kind of learning how to be. And when you just get a hug from somebody, and especially like, imagine getting a hug from Jimi Hendrix, you know? So now I've gotten a, a hug from Steve Perkins from fucking, you know, the, uh, the, the drum clinic and now I've gotten a hug from this guy Peter DiStefano and it was just like life-changing and I never forgot that but and these guys are so high on this level and then they get to just go off into the world and do other things and I'm sitting there as Cameron Crow, Cameron Crow going what am I gonna do like what am I doing what am I doing with my life so then this is where it kind of starts to come full circle you know I saw where it could go I saw what it was all about. I saw Rage Against the Machine, who, you know, was from my town, do the same thing. And at that point, I was like, dude, that hug, that experience, being backstage, hanging out with these people, seeing the happiness that they brought, the ripple of, you know, creation that they created throughout the, the multiverse had changed so much that even in my like even in my youth even my young soul I knew that somehow I always wanted to be a part of that no matter what and I quit music I, I don't want to say I quit music but at that point I stopped going to see shows and I started to learn how to play music myself I went out and got my first guitar and I was like I gotta fucking figure this out you know and so then at that point, my journey for Porn for Pyros had kind of ended. 
because that Cameron Crowe groupie that I had become, you know, uh, I, I couldn't, it was over, you know, it was completely over. And, uh, that, that journey, that journey had changed. So what happened with Porno for Pyros after that is, um, not, not long after that, then private parts came out, which was like, you know, uh, Howard Stern's private parts. Uh, another reason I do this, this ridiculous podcast is because I, I'm a huge fan of Howard Stern. I think he's, he's awesome. He's honest. He just tells it like it is. And, uh, I, I was a huge fan even, even way back, uh, you know, back in the day, like late, late, late 80s early 90s and so as soon as private parts of the movie was like announced and i saw the the uh premiere i i had a feeling that things were going to change and um they did change you know uh i remember the premiere howard stern just announcing the whole thing and howard stern loves loves porno for pyros loves James, he loves everything that Perry does because he's, he's smart, he, he, you know, like I said, Howard Stern's a fucking genius, so he can spot talent, but he, Howard had such power that I, I truly believe he kind of forced Dave Navarro and, uh, and Perry back together, and when he did that, I just saw Dave, Flea, and, and Peter, and I saw Porno for Pyros and Jane's Addiction up on stage at the same time. I saw this this uh, super band, and right there I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was really worried. And uh, that's just that's the truth. That's how fans get, right? And um, I don't want to say that my worry wasn't for for you know in vain, because not shortly after that there there wasn't really a third album you know there there wasn't a third porno for pyros album and uh it 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 started to change and then jane's addiction got back together and i feel that howard stern uh was the reason for that and he he yeah he squashed it and then yeah that was, I feel, the history, and then I felt that kind of put porno at a, a strange place, but uh, after that, then I want to say 97, then Jane's Addiction got back together, and there was, what, It's My Hits tour, and uh, I'll go into that tomorrow night, I'll go into that tomorrow night. Because at that point, I think I was, like I said, 20, 21. I think I want to say 21 where I was working. I had money. I could do things. So, ah, we got Hey Now right here saying I'm a super fan too. Baba Booey. I'm sorry. Like, Howard, hands down, is one of the, one of the most honest people that I've ever heard. And so when I was in, um, homeschool because like I got kicked out of normal school when I was younger like my high school I went to like homeschool so you know you're supposed to study and 
I would just listen to Howard Stern all through the night and that would help me study because I just had this this voice in the back of my, you know, head. And uh, ridiculously enough, he's the one that got me started on Snapple. And yeah, there's just so many things. Uh, just with George Takei, how he, he, you know, he got him to do the, oh, you know, the, oh my. Like, oh, there's just so many things that are now part of, of history. And the fact that Howard Stern's been doing it for like, fuck, I want to say 40 some odd years. This is my first year. My first year completed of this podcast. If I can do this podcast for 40 more years, I'll make $100. <laughs> but honestly, I don't do this for the money. I do it because when I get old and I get senile, I can listen to these these stories that, that, that made me. And um, yeah, and being on the stage with Porn for Pyros, hanging out with these people, being around them, watching them perform, seeing them at the top of their game and just being able to create these audio masterpieces right in front of our hearts and our soul, it, it, it was life-changing. And to the true fans, to the true people out there that the, this music resonated with their soul, it's never going to be out of fashion. It's never going to be anything that's obsolete. And I feel that truly, you know, uh, the younger generation needs to, to know about, you know, what truly happened. Yes, Nirvana is fucking rad. Love them. They're one of my favorite bands. Don't get me wrong. But like I said, I feel that Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, uh, they kind of kicked in the door. You know, Beastie Boys, like it, it was just a different time. They kicked in the door. And um, yeah. So I went to this. I went to this last, this is, I've got about seven more minutes. So there was this festival they, they had called the Enet Festival. And, and this was in Big Bear. And here, here, this is, this is, this is a, this is a flyer from the Enet Festival. Yes, it's torn and tethered, but it's, it's from 1996. I still have this, okay? I have this flyer. It's like a rave. And the Enet Festival was amazing. It, it, it didn't take off. I don't know why. But literally, there was tree planting, okay? This, this was a concert from 4 p.m. till 6 a.m. in the morning at the Snow Valley Ski Resort. This is amazing. In, in the Big Bear National Forest, okay? And I'm just gonna break it down. I'm gonna break it down. We had just uh, some DJs like Jason Bentley, who was at so many of the shows. Looks like it's Africa Mombarda. Yep. Uh, Sun Ra, Arcatrusa, I don't even know. Meet Beat Festo. Lady Miss Cure from D-Light. Groove is in the freaking heart. That was amazing. I'll never forget that. Then we had, then we had, of course, Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. And then there was the Orb. And then you had Porno for Pyros. And they closed out, they closed out the, the, the show. And by the time they got on, it was so late and I was so tired and somebody had 
given me, you know, mushrooms. I'm, I'm a kid. And I just remember I, it was so intense that I was supposed to meet this girl and, and, and I saw her and I was like, I, I can't, I can't deal with you right now. I'm going to deal with the show. Uh, but coincidentally, I don't think I did the mushrooms. I didn't do the mushrooms. I just didn't want to deal with the girl. And my friend did the mushrooms and I think he got sick and I had to take care of him. That was what the real deal was. And, uh, so the point of it is love and rockets, porno for pyros, probably three o'clock in the fucking morning, just up on stage two of the best bands that you know you've ever seen and I remember it was so wild that like Daniel Ash this is this is this is Cameron Crow shit guys this is Cameron Crow shit I remember Daniel Ash just ran up to Perry Farrell and they started just making out and they just fell over and everyone's just so fucked up and everyone's just like it's such a wild scene it was just amazing and it was just its own thing and so like I said, I think in the early 90s, we were at a turning point. And I think now we're also in a turning point. And uh, bands are needed. You know, Rage Against the Machine's coming back. You know, they came back like during the craziness of, of all of this. And and I think, you know, I'll break it down. Porno for Pyros, they disappeared for a while. And then they came back in 2021 or 2020. And I'd seen some, I looked them up online, there were some definite, you know, sporadic performances from P and Perry in different places here and there, but I didn't see anything really solid. So, uh, 2020, they did like a pandemic thing for Lollapalooza, it was fucking great. Uh, Mike Watt was there, uh, it, Perkins, everyone, Peter, Perry, and it was just amazing. Uh, but the point of all this is, we need them back because it's it's that same turning point. It's that same chaos. And I think that's needed. You know, I think there's enough room for Jane's Addiction and Porn for Pyros and uh, everybody else. You know, so I think this is a call, you know. We'll do, we'll do this. I'll do a little story. Who thinks we need Porn for Pyros 2022? And I think coincidentally that'll be the 30th anniversary. So... I could be wrong, but I think it's the 30th anniversary. So anyways, I'm in a band, and uh, Mike Watt, I saw him perform at D Piazza's. He's the bass player from Porno Papyrus. He, he, uh, he's in other bands, Minutemen, so many other, you know, he's just a fucking genius, okay? And I saw him play at D Piazza's like a long time ago, and at the very end, he was just like, he'd end and he'd be like, start your own band. And I promise you, when I heard that, start your own band, I was like, wait, what? And it resonated in my soul. And I was like, holy shit, okay, I should start my own band. And by watching Mike Watt at Deep Piazza saying that, I started my own band. So eventually, I got to open up for Mike Watt uh, twice or three times. And then eventually, I was lucky enough to play with Peter from porno like three or four times and he's one of the sweetest nicest guys ever and my world kind of came you know full circle like Cameron Crow when I started playing music again and when I came back to my childhood roots it all went full circle 
So I'm opening up for Mike Watt at uh, DP Ots, the same place. And after the show, he's in his, he's in the van. He's in this van, and he's with the drummer. And they're about to leave, and my band's gonna play after them. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. I ran up to him, and they're closing the door, and I go, hey, you gotta stop. I'm, I'm this band, and we're playing next. And he goes, oh, bro, like, we gotta be in Santa Clara or wherever, and fucking, I, we're going. And I go, that's cool. I go, I just wanted to tell you that, like, I started a band because you said start your own band. I told that to Mike Watt. And he kind of looked at me and he was shocked. He was shocked. And then I'm pretty positive he, he said, well, that's because John Coltrane says that at his shows. You know, at the end of his shows. And I'm not positive it was John Coltrane, if Mike Watt, or if anybody else sees this, knows who the real person is. I want to say it's Coltrane. But, uh, he said that to me. And then I walked up on stage and I, I played, you know, probably horribly, but I had fun. And just knowing that, that I got to play the same show with one of the people that I looked up to as this Cameron Crowe figure made it go full circle. So this is going to conclude the end of this. Porn of Papyrus 2022, please come back. We need you more than ever. Uh, hey Now says, I love Perry Farrell. Uh, okay, I got the countdown. Two minutes. Music stays with you forever. It does. It does. Circle of fifths. Circle of fifths. That's what it's all about, guys. Circles of, circle of fifths. I love playing music because it stimulates my brain. It makes me think, it brings the depression out. It keeps me alive with that, that childhood curiosity of that magical sense of like, you know, when I was a kid, where did it go? Like, I, I wanna, I, I never wanted to lose that. So as long as you don't lose that childlike curiosity, Perry Farrell never had, and he never will. And either will Peter, either will any of these people, Mike Watt, they inspire me to keep playing. When I'm fucking, when I'm like, 70 i'm still gonna be playing because of these people they inspire so much there's a band called hell ride which is which is watt which is peter which is perkins and they play they play fucking stooges songs and and how can perry not just show up <laughs> anyways tomorrow night i'm gonna be doing uh what happened after porno and lala and perry and we're gonna celebrate the new year's guy guys we're gonna we're gonna celebrate the new year's i'm gonna do it five minutes later tomorrow and uh we're gonna just smoke machines maybe i'll play a song or two whatever what does it all mean what does it all mean i think porno papyrus changed the multiverse and will continue to change the multiverse infinitely on multi-structures and multi-levels love you guys peace and love and sound and coltrane